Welcome to the Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 125. This episode, we're talking about the release of Counter-Strike 2 and the imminent return of IEM Sydney in 2023. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flusher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the Truth? The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. The Truth CSGO Podcast. And this is Raps, and you're listening to the Truth CSGO Podcast. It's Friday night at 8pm, the weekend before IEM Sydney 2023, and I'm sitting in my cold office with a warm IPA while a party happens next door. Classic fry. It's been a while since Paris, the Paris Major. It's been 25 episodes since I formally retired this podcast. Much like the best laid of plans, so too has the pro scene concertinaed like an accordion. Some of the key parts of that saga have recently taken hairpin turns, such as the departure of Zonic and Lars Robbel, to the new as yet untested Falcons roster, the EPL victory of the prodigal Shuhei at the helm of uh, Maus, and the radically new iterations of large teams such as Na'Vi, Liquid and Cloud9 that have played out their teething stages for the world to witness. But of course, the biggest news for this podcast is that Global Offensive is no more. Now just a matchmaking free beta launch option on Steam. It has finally been succeeded by Counter-Strike 2. Not Counter-Strike 2, Global Offensive 2. Not Counter-Strike 2, Electric Boogaloo. No, Lost in New York. Just Counter-Strike 2. This time, it's local. I called Gabe and said I had over 100 episodes of a podcast named after the first game. And he just laughed and he said, Truthy, you can suck my donkey balls. And so here we are. For those of you living beneath a rock, you're probably worms. For those that are human have somehow missed this momentous news, the sequel's main claim to fame is that it is the same game but on a different engine. You could also probably play it on a plane in Spain. There's a few new functionalities, being able to clear smoke with HE grenades and bullet fire being the most prominent, as the less rounds needed to win the game, aka MR12. But for the most part, this is the same game. Except, however, it's currently sans several beloved modes like retakes and community servers. What's more, all support for Max has ceased. That's right, playing Counter-Strike at a choppy 17 FPS at 480p on your 2009 iMac is no longer an option. Apparently Mac players were less than 1% of the player base, which goes to show how lousy the support for Macs were, seeing as the percentage of Mac owners is actually somewhere around the 17% mark, apparently. Uh, <laughs> or perhaps this shows how lousy Apple's support is for gaming. One of the two, or both of the two. Please just let me be angrier at mega corporations. That's all I need these days. Just some righteous, self-justified, anti-capitalist rage to fuel me like a lukewarm bottle of Blue Raspberry Prime jacked directly into my catheter tube so I can get myself into town and march against the 1%. The 1% of Mac players, that is, who've been holding us back this whole time. That elite bunch of out-of-touch blue bladders, pulling strings, manipulating updates, buying votes all the way to the top of Valve board meetings. There's a hidden Apple texture on a wall in Cobblestone. Haven't you heard? Anyway, what else has changed? There's some new talent hovering about on the scene. There's some old faces receding into the background. <laughs> uh, in a haze of conspiracy theories and red pills. And most of the circuit, including the entirety of ESL, is now owned by Saudi Arabian sheikhs. Sports washing, it's apparently called, which I think means something along the lines of hosting a football match uh, to distract people uh, from the nefarious shit you're doing elsewhere. As if video games couldn't be more of a distraction from our lives, they're also now distracting us from human rights abuses. Talk about carrying water. 
In the meantime, Global Offensive's Reddit thread has topped 2 million members and the player base keeps climbing. I wonder if anyone's done a player-to-population comparison. It could be that proportionally to the amount of people in the world or babies that are being born, we're actually bleeding players. I noticed the fact that the uh, name of the game has changed, but the subreddit has not uh, changed its name. hasn't really done anything for its popularity, so perhaps keeping on, keeping on is the best thing for this podcast too. Personally, my experience with the new game has been about half an hour of playing it using a Steam Deck as a PC. Uh, I tried to play it at um, PAX, <laughs> but couldn't be asked to line up. And I haven't trotted down to Fortress yet. Uh, but yeah, I bought a Steam Deck. Apparently, if you're considering having kids, a Steam Deck is the first thing you get. Now, either Linux support is still heavily wanting, or us deckers are never going to be able to shift that many polygons, because even at the lowest graphical settings, it was like playing it on a 2009 iMac, but without the ability to alt-tab to iMovie and cut together a fun, ukulele-fueled montage of my family holiday to Disneyland. Now, for the pro scene, Global Offensive is completely finito, and the next big event, IEM Sydney, starting in three days, will be the first to use CS2. The community seems a little hesitant to celebrate this sequel just yet, perhaps because essentially the new one is really just a coat of paint or because we're all resistant to change, or both. At the same time, an understandable aura of nostalgia has permeated. As of this recording, I have over 2.5 thousand hours in CSGO. I think that's about 120th of simple... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it feels like a lot to me. That's over 100 days. That's 14 weeks of non-stop trying to plant bombs, trying to defuse bombs, telling myself this round for sure, then predictably spazzing out when I see an enemy, missing them with the first bullet, panicking, holding down a useless spray, then being headshot and abused by my teammates, kicked, getting angry for the rest of the day and hating that the game even exists. In some sense... Uh, If we're not to be nostalgic, we can only be appalled at the thought of the potentially productive time that flowed down the drain and into the sea and choked the non-CSGO playing dolphins. However, I think we must remember, to have our leisure time recorded so accurately is pretty much a civilizational first. For starters, it's probable that most people in olden times, which is a technical term for pre-industrial revolution, didn't have any leisure time because they were working and trying not to die while building a pyramid. But if we had a record of every moment a Roman spent playing dice, or a 19th century boffin spent stamp collecting, or your dad spent screaming for the Collingwood pies, by the time a middle class male reached the age of 40, he might have been expected to have pissed away at least 14 solid weeks of his time on Earth playing some sort of consequence-free game. Not, mind you, that 2.5 thousand hours is the total sum of it all. I'm sure doubling that number to include all the other games I've ever played would be taking the conservative route. I just don't want you to include the hours trying to catch a golden chocobo in Final Fantasy VII. That would be embarrassing. Nevertheless, CSGO's departure leaves with it a viscous residue of good memories, in and out of servers, friends made, friends lost, more friends lost, more friends lost, games won, games lost, more games lost, also the lingering feeling of a sense of stability. For me, the consistency of the CS experience was part of its appeal. Friday night, feel like attempting to communicate with four unseen strangers at your computer, missing the lyrical tones of a 16-year-old kid who just wants to call everyone the most offensive terms he's learned. In your late 30s, but still feel like a matchmaking session that simulates being the new teacher brought in to deal with out-of-control students at a disadvantage in a city school for angry boys.
I never learned to surf properly. My internet timed out before I could download the zombie maps. I tried prison break once and had to take an hour shower afterwards. No, 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 not for me, the community maps, casual mode, 1v1s, flying scoutsman, or even wingman. For me, CSGO was matchmaking. Most of the time, I don't even need the premium experience of a five stack of friends. Give me four randos and the once in a year delightful surprise of a bunch of mature, calming teammates and I don't care if we lose 0-16, that's the game I will have enjoyed. Even now, if I'm honest, my best memories were probably outside the game. Watching SK vs VP at Epicenter 2017, the first time I saw a match live at IEM Sydney, Vitality winning in France, the amazing emails from you wonderful listeners. All right, enough sadness. It's Friday night. I'm going out. I'm not going out. I'm staying in. We're going to talk about the new game. Now, a lot of people don't think this new game is going to be ready uh, in two days <laughs> for a competition. It's being hotly debated at the time of this recording. Model movement, hit registry, tick issues, they're all abounding like bed bugs in Paris. And it's not like this is going to be another Melbourne Challenger event. No, 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 no. Sydney's clarion call has been answered by the likes of Vitality, Ents, FaZe, G2, Na'Vi, Mouse, Cloud9, Gamer Legion, Monty, Fnatic, Apex, Complexity, Betboom, and of course, Linvision, Vertex, and Greyhound. Personally, I'm rubbing my calloused hands in glee at the thought of some game-breaking glitches, not only disrupting the competition, but also being exploited at the highest levels. Early years of CS brought us such euphoric highs as the Olaf boost that were slowly and sadly ironed out emerging only in later ripples such as the Big Jump Bug and the Monazi Smoke Exploit. If Sydney sees a third map in the grand final between Mouse and Vitality have its competitive integrity disintegrated by a Mirage pixel walk that somehow allows Zywoo to bunny hop into the rafters of Palace and squat there like some gargoyle of Notre Dame, only to leap down behind the entirety of Mouse with an XM and shoddy his way to another MVP, I will personally stand and applaud with the same Elan as a Rops self-congratulatory 4K clap. What are the storylines for IEM Sydney? Ha! What are they indeed? This is a blank slate. CS2. If not in truth, then in feeling. If not just in the game, but also in the prac room. Perhaps you might have snagged on the name Betboom. This is a new team helmed by Naphany, otherwise known somewhat savagely by Maui Snake as Nefraudony. Uh, recently ejected from Gambit, now leading a team of other names you might know and feel slight tinges of familiarity for. Wait. Gambit, did I say? I meant uh, Cloud9. Anyway, the team of (laughs) other names you might feel some slight familiarity for are Zorte, Chiron, and uh, Siren. To illustrate their ho-humness, they beat Nip to get here, but not Apex. In response, it seems Nip, uh, (laughs) if the rumours are true, have promptly knocked on Astralis' front door, dragging what cash they have left over from the rebate for device, and are tearfully pleading for a date with Glaive. Which, by the way, would be a deal Astralis would be crazy to ignore. Not because Glaive is quote-unquote washed, as every armchair genius will tell you, but because having him and BlameF on the same team is like asking for the chicken and the beef with your in-flight meal. Favourites for this event will still be Vitality and Mouse as both the highest ranked team and the team that just liquidated everyone at Pro League. But this is the great reset. It's a new game. There's the potential that a lower team has been out there grinding the sequel harder than Forrest and Get Right when everyone was still competing in Sourcelands. 
Could it be that the boys from Greyhound have been off the bags long enough to learn some new Skybox free lineups that are going to blow our minds come their first matchup against G2? Stranger things have happened. El Nino has caused a lot of rain in Melbourne. The lockdown laws continue to coddle and nanny, nanny the Sydney siders. <laughs> but do these guys even have a coach yet? If not, let's hope Chatty B gets tired of expatriation in Malta because otherwise it seems like William Gray is playing a little too hard to get at this point for my liking. Yeah, one roster change I haven't had the chance to mention, as this team will not be attending. It's the removal of Cadian from Heroic, uh, which didn't come that unexpected in this particular camp, my particular camp. Uh, because I think as, when as dominating a presence as, as he is, doesn't manage to bring back consistent trophies despite a continuously upgrading roster, the time comes when there's no one left to change but the regime itself. Of course, he's going to end up in liquid. You know it. I know it. Daps' vaginal walls know it, but that's going to be an awful move because there's no way that Casper, Cadian, Moller, Yikindar, and Daps will be able to fit in the same room unless that room happens to be an aircraft hangar. Honestly, Gamer Legion should have waited and made a bid before they decided to put their chips on snacks, much as I love the big man. <laughs> the big man. <laughs> what a unit. Look out. Here he is. Chieftain. Sniper. CFO. Coming through. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Even Big, Big could have taken another opportunity to give Tabson a chance to frag out and the streaky man to, to take another hiatus. Imagine Cadian on Big. I could go on, and I will. If Afro wasn't turning out to be the best part of the new Fnatic, Cadian would make a quick fix to the underwhelming start Dexter's had over there. Even Nip must surely be reconsidering their offer for Glaive. In fact, if I was Hitchum Chaheen and I was about to Hitchum my wagon to another ex Australis player, I'd be talking to Lucas on the main phone while texting Bay Casper on the other and uh i guess also importantly who is going to replace cadian on heroic my friends at tldr made the joke that msl might be the perfect replacement but i don't think it's a joke look at the signs the stars are aligning they need a danish igl who can op he's coming out of retirement lads back to win dreamhack stockholm 2024 now, even more importantly than this question, there's two entirely new mixed rosters that have been assembled from scratch since Paris, as if we'd learned nothing from the Colossus, from the Juggernaut, from every expensive mistake that's been made when eager GMs, high on VC greens, eyes bloodshot from boardroom bullshit, mashed disparate players together in an attempt to replicate FaZe Clan, who, let's be clear, only started winning trophies after the slow build of Kingwin, then G2, and finally to Kiyoshima and Alu, and eventually the ascendance of Carrigan. All of which is to say is none of them looking currently at what is happening to OG floundering in mediocrity for so long now. Anyway, the two rosters are, of course, TSM and the aforementioned Falcons. TSM are returning since the sale of their roster 49 years ago to Australis. It's possible they kicked themselves so hard in that time they actually did some brain damage because their apparently well-paid roster consists of Jax, Valder, Inters, Cypher, Modo and Coach Lambert. Cypher, of course, he is the English Wunderkind who impressed at Paris. He took the wrong turn with his leap from Into the Breach, I think. <laughs> Unlike Im, who impressed with you just as much, he didn't end up on the star-studded Navi, but with three, count that, three role players, Jax, uh, Valder and Inters, who have been kicked from their last teams. First Queen Elizabeth and now this. First Harry's autobiography, and now this. First Russell Brand's existence, and now this. What more demoralizing can the stalwart Brits take? 
TSM's last three games saw losses to Los Cogutos, Nine Pandas and Prezi. Team solo mid, let's face it, is just team mid at this point. Now, Falcons. Falcons, on the other hand, they have tied their fortunes to the cucaracha of French Counter-Strike, NBK, that natural-born killer who I imagine will still be competing even after the nuclear holocaust. Alongside him is the somehow still-improving body, another Mal's next player in MHL, Boros, who was the star of Monty's Paris run, but for my money, seemed like a pretty moody shut-in when I saw him backstage, and the 1.01 rated Lorks. Oh, and quite simply, the greatest coach and mental coach of all time. Did I mention that? As I tweeted, uh, if we don't get a video of this team hiking Mount Everest and NBK getting uh, frostbite in the next month or so, we'll know Lars and Zonic have actually given up. Notable, of course, is that Falcons are owned by the Saudis as well. Assumptions are that Zonic, being second now in the human race only to Neil Armstrong in terms of accomplishments, has decided to get the bag in his last team before transitioning to permanent resident of the Bahamas. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's got two or three kids now, after all, and even in progressive Denmark, that shit's expensive. Now, publicly, he said that he wants a new challenge. Uh, these guys are currently ranked 53 and not in any blast or louver agreements. So he's definitely taken one on. Although unlike TSM, they recently beat Los Cogutos 2-0. So perhaps there's a little more hope with this roster. Personally, I would have enjoyed to see him uh, take the flight down under and uh, saddled his fortunes to Greyhound. Uh, that would have been... It would have been a fun one. Which leads us back to the topic of Sydney. If you're looking for insanely overpriced real estate, jacked up artificially by the rising tide of laundered Chinese billions, you've come to the right place. If you're looking for a city with little to no identity, bar its beaches and waterfront views, you've come to the right place. If you're looking for a homogenised, congested cultural puddle, basically neon before the Saudis thought of it, you've come to the right place. 16 of the world's best teams duke it out in the overdeveloped housing estate wind tunnel that is Darling Harbour. The crowded, world-class ode to political corruption bribery and lowest common denominator architecture. Get ready to do a shoey, stacky pizza box and shout, yeah, the boys, in what the Global Livability Index has decided is the world's fourth most livable city, behind Melbourne, incidentally, at three. As if something being livable is not the most demoralising standard possible. Can you live there? Well, yeah. More green spaces, the Lord Mayor promises in every biannual pamphlet, while behind her back, short-term greed churns up the ground, erecting 30-storey glass towers to house and boil professional gamblers, a.k.a. hedge fund managers, as the planet continues to simmer. Place a short position on livability and watch the numbers go up. Well, I'm getting a bit distracted tonight. It's called being almost 40 but also experiencing what seems to be a dissolution of accepted truth in the cultural narrative. Almost everything that occurs in the public sphere has a counter-narrative now, and that counter-narrative has a counter-narrative, and where does that counter-narrative come from? A bot? A Russian high schooler paid by the state? A schizophrenic meth dealer from Northcote? Who knows? We're living in counter-narrative, global offensive, and the more we log in, the more addictive that it gets. If in 2034, when Counter-Strike 3 comes out, which I nominate to be called Counter-Trike, and I've racked up another 2.5k hours, I will rationalise it again by zooming out. This is advice from a friend with perennial applicability. Zoom out, bro, he says, and so let's zoom out. 10 years is 87,600 hours. 2,500 is 0.35% of that. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I actually thought it was more. 
Bold predictions for IEM Sydney. Whoever gets here a day before the others, nothing fucks with your aim like jet lag. So just look at the socials. Whoever posted themselves at the Opera House first, there's your winners. The first one I saw was James Bardolph, so my money's on him to actually frag the fuck out of the show match. Anyway, I'll be attending and hopefully chatting to some folks. So if you see a Truth Podcast shirt, say hi. And in the meantime, let me know if there's anyone you want to speak to or ask something of. I always ask you questions with the straightest of faces. I'll be watching the online games this week from a Melbourne pad, relaxing in the livability of it all and jetting in on the fry like a hurricane of cynicism, conjecture and pure speculation. And of course, complete and utter uncertainty. Until then, enjoy the game. (laughs) 